All right, come on. Good morning, Go Church family. You look good. Come on, you feel good? Man, what a great room today. Man, this is a good-looking group right here. It does my heart really well to see all of you here on this Sunday. And I feel the presence of the Lord here. And what an honor it is to see you here. There's a lot of, a lot of great churches that you could be a part of today. But you choosing to be with us here at Go Church really is a tremendous honor. And so I greet you today. I know you've been greeted a few times already. But my wife Kimberly and I, we love you. We thank God for you. It's a joy to be your pastor. And then, of course, we have another campus, another location in the greater Washington, D.C. area in Germantown. So I look at the camera in the back of this room. I greet everybody in Germantown. And then, of course, and this isn't an over-exaggeration, but through our online campus, we reach people all throughout the country and really all across the globe. So whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, and whenever you tune in, whether that's through the live stream or you come across this message on YouTube or Vimeo, you know, later on down the road, we just say, God bless you. Uh, good morning to you. May the Lord be with you. So, all right, everybody in this room, put your hands together. Welcome everybody online. Welcome to Hermitown. Come on, make some noise for them. There we go. And then as you know, if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, I always love, before we jump into the message together, to pause and give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military, to honor those who have served, to honor those who are serving, and then also all of the courageous first responders. Man, we just thank God for you. And so may this moment of applause and appreciation, and I'm going to ask for you to clap for about 10 seconds, just honoring the brave men and women that put their life on the line to serve and protect ours. So come on, go church family. Let's go. Come on. Come on, keep it going for a second here. If you're serving, God bless you. Thank you. Come on, five more seconds. Come on. Come on, come on. There we go. Hey, I want to pray for you today, and then we're going to jump into the message. But I'd like to share something with you that is on my heart and something that many Christians and churches across the nation are recognizing today. And I want you just to listen to me for a couple of minutes, and then I'll share with you the message in, in this whole Get In The Game series. And it is around uh, the sanctity of, of Human Life Sunday. And that is today. So nationwide, uh, we're pausing in churches. Uh, I believe many churches are doing this. All churches should. But we're just pausing to talk about the importance of life. And I want to tell you this just out of the gate. One of the beautiful things about Go Church is her diversity. And I mean, if you look across this room, you see the, the diversity on display from, from ethnicity to race to gender. Uh, you know what? In, in, in the Go Church family, there are political differences and opinions. Another part of our diversity is even kind of faith background or church background or religion background. And I think that's so tremendous here. But I'd love for you to lean in for a second and just kind of hear my heart and really hear the word of the Lord around the importance of us honoring God who is the giver of life. In 1973, one of the most consequential decisions made in our country's history happened at the Supreme Court level with Roe versus Wade. Ever since that decision to legalize abortion happened, 62 million babies have been aborted ever since. You know, abortion is the leading cause of death in our country. It surpasses COVID, it surpasses cancer, it's far greater than drug overdose or fentanyl, which really, we should talk about that as well. Uh, between the ages of 18 and 45, drug overdose is just terrorizing that demographic. 
but abortion is the number one cause of death in our country. And I wanna tell you this, that God really is the giver of life. And anytime that we try to take control of life, then we attempt to usurp our authority over God's authority. And I wanna tell you this, that God makes no mistakes. And I know that every situation is unique and every situation is different. And one of the dangers of the conversations around this topic is we try to blanket every situation as the same and that's just not true. I know that a part of this church family, we've got uh, beautiful families and beautiful women that have walked this very difficult decision. I can't imagine, truthfully, I can't imagine the difficulty of leading up to making that decision to abort your child. But I wanna tell you, if that's you, we love you here at Go Church and you're welcome here at Go Church. When you walk into the lobby of any of our campuses, you're gonna see that we love people to life. It's not our job to condemn you. It's not our job to judge you. We'll let the devil do all of that. It's our heart to love you. And I wanna tell you that if you've made that decision or your family has made that decision and you're struggling with that, man, let us, let us pray for you today. Uh, we got a, a great counseling center here called Lifeback. Uh, we'd love to provide counseling for you and, and just some hope for you. And, and just to tell you that we love you. So this conversation isn't a rebuke to those that have made that decision. This is really a prayer. It's the prayer of your pastor is that we recognize that God doesn't make mistakes and God's got a plan and a purpose for that mama, for that baby, for that father or whatever the situation is. And I know this from my own story, my own life in different situations that everything that the enemy makes for evil, God through his sovereignty can turn and make good. So if anything, beyond a prayer, this is a rebuke to the church. It's a rebuke to the church. We can't just scream that abortion is murder, but we have to help those that are trying to process what their next steps are. So I wanna tell you a couple things here. Maybe you're with child today and, and everything you've read or everybody you've talked to has just said, hey, abortion is the only option. It's not the only option. And I want you to hear me. God sent you here today. If you don't get anything else from this message, I want you to get this conversation in the heart of this pastor. Don't abort that baby. Listen, we, through our legacy partners, you gave to our legacy offering in December of last year. It's the only special offering we take. We've already given tens of thousands of dollars uh, to the Coweta Pregnancy Center, to the Rockville Women's Center in Montgomery County, Maryland, to Race for Orphans, to Children's Cup, to Hope Global, uh, to Women Who Cares Ministries. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And these partnerships allow these nonprofits to really help families, help ladies as they process the options in front of them. And my wife knows this, so I can say this publicly, and you know, this isn't some breaking news, but at the end of the day, she and I will adopt that baby. You don't have to abort that child. We'll take that baby, because God's got a plan for that child. And so I just want you to know that we're praying fervently for our country and for our nation. And I'm praying fervently for the vision and mission of Go Church. God can't bless a land that is continuing to operate and this type of divisive destructive destruction of, uh, of killing innocent children. But it's our job as the church to provide hope and to provide options. King Herod killed baby after baby trying to kill King Jesus. And we've been killing unborn babies ever since. So let's shift that here and let's watch God turn what the enemy meant for evil and make it good. Do you agree with that today? Come on church, all right. Let me pray for you, let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you 
that you are the giver of life. Lord, and as the pastor of this church, help us. Help us to help families as they walk through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows of of their story and their testimony. I, I can't fathom all of the different circumstances and situations, but God, I do know that, and you told us this in Jeremiah 1, 5, that before you formed us in the womb, you knew us. And before we were even born, you set us apart and you appointed us as a prophet to the nations. So I thank you for that promise and I thank you for your word. And I pray for today, the next 35 minutes or so as we jump in to scripture together and you challenge us to go to another level in our faith walk with you and our faith journey with you. I believe that the spirit of God is here. I thank you for the anointing that's on my life. I don't, this is what the apostle Paul told the church at Corinth and it's my prayer today. I do not speak with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. So I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would go before me. I don't wanna be seen. I want the cross of Jesus to be seen. I don't want to impress anybody. I want the word of God to impact everybody. And so I give you these next few minutes. I ask that your will be done and that all of us leave here different than when we came. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen and amen. You've clapped a lot today, but now let's applaud King Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, somebody hoop and holler for Jesus. There we go. Thank you. All right, you got to take some notes today. Um, We're going to get into week number four of this series that we're doing at Go Church. We're calling it Get in the Game. So in Germantown, you've got a message note card and a cup holder near you since you meet in the movie theater. For those of you in this room, there's a message note card there in a seat back pocket in front of you. Take that out. Take out your journal. Take out your smartphone. Just turn it on airplane mode so you don't get distracted with text messages and social media. If you're at home today, grab a journal. Take some notes as you're watching us online. By the way, the camera adds 10 pounds. Somebody say amen to that, all right? Let's talk about getting the game here. And, and although the graphic shows a little bit of a sports theme, the, the series has nothing to do with sports. We're just talking about the idea of an athlete's desire to, to use their gift and talent and ability, you know, to get on the field, to get in the game and uh, an opportunity to use that skill set and what that looks like for us as Christians or for us that are try- trying to figure out this whole faith thing. And so I'm challenging you. We started on the first Sunday of January. We're going to go all the way until the, the middle of February, February the 13th, I, I believe that Sunday is. We're going to talk about seven topics here in the Get In The Game series. We started week number one with the discipline of prayer. Week number two with the discipline of fasting. Last Sunday, we talked about the Holy Bible. Did you enjoy that message? Come on, if you missed that, go back online. Make sure you listen to that. And not only did that conclude those, those first three spiritual disciplines of prayer, fasting, and scripture, reading, study, and meditation, but it also concluded our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church family And I'm just happy to report that for those 21 days, not only did we see hundreds and hundreds of people gather together in person every morning through the 21 days, but one metric that our communications department shared with me that really just just did my heart good is that through our Go Church app, we had over 6,000 people connect to the daily devotions throughout the 21 days. And so those, some of those are recurring users and all of that. But I just think it's fantastic that a church decided to pray, to fast, to read the Bible together. So can we thank God for those 21 days? 
Really proud of you as your pastor, by the way. Today we're going to talk about sharing your faith. Next Sunday we'll talk about the importance of getting into a small group. We'll come back after that and talk about stewardship and tithing. And then we'll finish the whole series uh, with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, where you know, we're reminded that you have a gift. And that you are to use whatever gift you have to, to serve you know, the, the bride of Christ, the church. And I want to challenge you to use that gift. So the whole theme of this conversation is around that if we want this year to be different, we got to do some different things. The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And really this thought of this year is not going to be any different from last year unless you do something different from what you did last year. You could apply that to any area of your life. So if you want to get in better physical health this year, you got to do some different things than you did last year. If you want better finances, better relationships, better spiritual health, greater faith, I'm trying to pull out some things that's going to challenge you to think differently, to do differently, to behave differently. And if you do those seven things that we talked about, man, not only will this 2022 year have the potential to be the best year you've ever had, but your life has the potential to change the trajectory of it forever. And so I really want you to stay engaged in this whole series, all right? So let's jump into week number four here. And today, I'm actually going to talk to you about a topic here, evangelizing the gospel, that in full disclosure, I don't think I've ever done a message around since, I, since I've been in the ministry. I mean, there, there have been components of sharing your faith, telling your testimony, evangelizing the gospel, and just about every sermon that I've ever preached. But I don't know if I've ever done an entire message on the why evangelism is so important, and then how do you evangelize? And so I'm going to take you to a lot of places in the Bible. I really believe, and I'm not just saying this, I really believe that God's going to speak to your heart today. He's going to challenge you and convict you in a very powerful way. Now, for those of you, let me talk to two groups of people, because there are two kinds of people in the room. There are those that have already accepted Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. You said yes to him. This is really going to empower you from the command of Jesus to become an evangelist. Okay, so that's one group. But there's an entirely different group here that you've not yet asked Jesus into your heart. You're wrestling with your faith. You're figuring out your faith. You're trying to determine if all this stuff is, is real or not. But, and this is why I'm glad you're here. Because today I'm going to evangelize the gospel to you. You're going to hear the word of the Lord today. And I'm going to show you different places in the Bible just how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you. And that this Jesus that we sing about and preach about and that I'll teach about today, that when he died on the cross, he had you on his mind. Come on, isn't that good? Somebody testify who knows about the love of God, right? So let's talk about evangelizing the gospel or sharing your faith. Maybe you've heard you know, the word uh, evangelism or evangelical or evangelist. Those are all different, you know, synonyms around this idea of, of what it means to, to evangelize. But it simply means preaching the gospel. That's all that means. So whenever we talk about being evangelical, whenever we talk about being a, an evangelist, whenever we talk about evangelism, it's simply preaching the gospel. And here's something you need to know. Now, while God has appointed me to be the pastor of Go Church, I'm not the sole evangelist in this great commission. It, you, don't, you don't need a degree. You don't, you don't need a, a doctorate in theology to be an evangelist. Regardless of what your career is, regardless of what your, your uh, I want to say calling, but if you're a Christian, we're called to be evangelists. Regardless of what you do to make a living, whether that is a pulpit preacher, 
or a school teacher. Come on, somebody thank God for school teachers, medical field. Lord knows we need some God-fearing people in politics. Come on. Whether you're in janitorial services, if you're in, in a fast food industry or in the airline industry, it doesn't matter. If you said yes to Jesus, you have the calling of evangelism on your life. That's it. I don't want to overcomplicate this. Um, I, I don't want to confuse this. You woke up today. God put breath in your lungs today. There is blood pumping through your veins right now because he's not finished with his work in you and through you to evangelize the gospel to the tribe of people that he has assigned you over. God makes no mistakes. So the job that you're in, uh, the routine that you have, going to the same bank, the same restaurant, the same gas station, the same barbershop, the, the neighborhood that you live in, none of that is by accident or happenstance. God put you there for purpose, on purpose, and you are the evangelist of that community. You are the evangelist of that tribe to preach the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? It's just good news. And Lord knows we got enough bad news out there. And we dealt with all the fake news. I'm talking about good news. Gospel is good news. I'm going to show you the Greek word of evangelist here or the Greek root word of evangelism. And I like to show you Greek words on occasion because it makes you think that I'm really, really smart. Come on now. No, because it takes us to, to the, uh, the root of where we get our English words or the definition of our English words. So when we look at the, the Greek word of evangelism, we see that it is euangelistes. Euangelistes. And I know that's how you pronounce it because I practiced that all week. Come on, somebody. Euangelistes. And here's what it means. It means a bringer of good news. That is your calling. That is your assignment. You are to be a bringer of good news. And so this changes the game for us. This, cha this changes the whole dynamic that wherever God sends you, you have a responsibility to get in the game and to be a bringer. On the count of three, everybody say, be a bringer. One, two, three, be a bringer. So you're gonna be a bringer of the gospel. You're gonna be a bringer of the good news of Jesus Christ. And what is that good news? I'll tell you that up front. It's that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. And watch this. And that God loves everyone unconditionally. There is no amount of sin that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from God's love, but sin can separate you from from a relationship with God, but God will accept you just as you are. You don't have to come in cleaned up. God does the cleaning up. Come on now. And you can repent of your sin, confess Jesus is Lord, and he will change you from the inside out. And if you're wrestling with that faith, I want you to hear the eruption of applause by 200 people that that is your story. Come on. That God found you, he loved you, and he changed you. Look. Now, I love you enough to tell you this. You can't put all of that responsibility on me. The magnitude of the great commission is far too, the magnitude of that is far too big for just pastors and preachers to do that alone. You are pastors and preachers. You are evangelists. If you look at Acts, I believe it's chapter 8, you'll see how, how God scattered the disciples. The disciples. He scattered the disciples. 
And God has been scattering disciples ever since, putting them in every part of the world to preach the good news, to be a bringer of the good news. Not only do you need to go bring the good news, but you're also called to be a bringer, to, to invite people to come and experience this community. We're a bunch of dysfunctional folk in this room, aren't we? Come on now. But when we come together with corporate worship and corporate prayer and, and when we experience the, the Holy Spirit moving, man, I like, I like being in this room with each of you. And we'll talk more about the church here in just a moment, but Luke 14, 23 says, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in so that my house may be full Listen, I, there's a lot of great churches here. And if you look around, there's not a whole lot of empty seats in this gathering. Uh, there was about the same amount of empty seats in the last gathering. It's really exciting to see the people of God come together to worship together. But we should never have one empty seat in this auditorium. Because there are enough broken people, lost people, hurting people that they need this community. They need hope. And hope has a name and his name is Jesus. So Jesus... Once he was uh, crucified on the cross and, and they put him in a tomb, after his resurrection from the dead, he walked this earth for 40 days. If you give me a, can I get a few minutes today just to teach a little bit? So he walked for 40 days and he performed miracle signs and wonders. And he gave his last sermon. Now the first sermon that Jesus ever preached began in Matthew chapter five, verse number one. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It goes all the way to Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. And those two verses in Matthew 7, 28 and 29 says that he taught with one who had authority. That the people were amazed because he taught as one who had authority. And it, it ticked the religious leaders off. They couldn't stand that Jesus had greater authority than they had. So on the final week of his life, they questioned his authority. He refused to tell them where his authority came from. And so ultimately they, they crucified him. They mocked his authority. They put a robe on him. They put a, a crown of thorns on his head and they wrote on top of the cross, King of the Jews, and they, they mocked his authority. What happened during the three days of Jesus' death when he was in the tomb? The Bible says that he went to the pit of hell. Revelation 1 verse 18. And what happened? The Bible says there, he says, look, now I am alive and I am alive forevermore and I hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So in the beginning, God created man and woman. He created them in his image and he gave them dominion, authority over the earth. They sinned, they, fall, they, they were fallen into the trap of Satan, temptation. God said, don't eat from the forbidden fruit. They gave in because that, that apple just looked too good. The moment they ate of the forbidden fruit, they lost their authority. So God sent a second Adam, Jesus, to reclaim the authority that they lost. And then in the final message that Jesus is ever going to preach while he is here on this earth, so right before he ascends to heaven, which by the way, is where Jesus is today. The Bible says that Jesus, the son of God, is sitting at the right hand of the father and he's making intercession for his people. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're going through, but that should bring you some really good news that the God of this world through his son, Jesus, is praying over you and praying for you. Come on, somebody thank God for that. Before... Before he ascends to heaven, though, he gathers, important, he gathers his disciples together and he shares with them the great 
Commission. Five different places in the New Testament we see the perspective of the Great Commission written. From the Gospels, the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to the Gospel of John, all the way to the book of Acts. We see Jesus' final instruction, his commission, his command to the disciples. And Jesus could have talked about anything. He could have talked about five ways to be blessed. He could have talked about 40 days to your best life now. But what does Jesus do? Jesus talks about authority. Now I'm only gonna, sh- I'm gonna show you two of those five perspectives of the Great Commission today because of time. We'll sit heavily on Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And then later on, I'll show you Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus talks about authority and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the very next verse is important. It wasn't just applicable to the disciples of that day, but this is the instruction of God, from God to me and you. For those who say yes to Jesus, Jesus gives his authority back to us. And he says this, therefore, everybody shout go on three, one, two, three. And that's why we name our church Go Church. When we launched Go Church some years ago, I had a a friend of mine, still a friend of mine, he was getting ready to launch a church as well, and he texted me. And we had just sent out all of the social media stuff about Go Church and all of that. And he texted me, he's like, man, I love the name Go Church. And then he wrote, do you have any other cool church names? And I just thought, let, let me just make sure you know, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm trying to be like Christ. And what I wanted to say was, is read your Bible, man. We're called Go Church because this is the command of God on us as the body of Christ to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have. Somebody shout commanded, commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Two truths about the Great Commission. And I want you to write these down. So two things that I see from the final instruction of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. Watch this. The first truth that I see from the Great Commission is that the Great Commission reveals God's heart. God doesn't want anyone to die without having a personal relationship with his son, Jesus. God doesn't want you bound in your addiction. God doesn't want you a slave to your sin. John 14, 6 says that I am the way, Jesus said. I am the truth and I am the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me or through me. Jesus wants you to have life and to have that life more abundantly. John 10, 10, for the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the the full. The Great Commission reveals the heart of God to say, look, you've got to go into a lost world, into a broken world, and I'm scattering you. You think you ended up in Sharpsburg by accident? You think you ended up in Germantown by happenstance? The sovereign God of this universe is intentional and he is strategic, and he has scattered you for such a time as this to preach the gospel, which is the good news. I wish you'd help me evangelize and preach. Come on. It reveals the heart of God. God loves you. And God doesn't want you to die in your sin. The second truth that the Great Commission reveals is the mission of the church. 
talk about this for just a moment here. If the Holy Spirit will keep us on track with what I prayed through last year in preparation for conversations this year, later on, September-ish, we'll have a series on this deconstruction movement that is happening in our country where individuals are deconstructing the faith and they're deconstructing the church. Some of that I get. I'm not gonna have that full conversation today. We'll do a series on it. We'll probably even talk about it this summer during our Ask Away series. Some of that I understand. Listen, let me say this to you. Church hurt is real. Uh, there, there are pastors in, in positions like I'm in that have abused the pulpit and they've abused their platform and it breaks my heart now, I can't tell you that Go Church is perfect because it's not a perfect church. But I can tell you this, that if you end up hurt at Go Church, it is not intentional. It is not our heart to hurt anybody here. It's not my heart to ever abuse this platform or to abuse the opportunity to lead you in your walk with Christ. I pray this, and my wife will tell you, I pray this every day. Lord, let me be an example as I follow the example of Christ Jesus. I'm not a perfect leader, and I'm not a perfect pastor, but I'm not about church hurt here, and I'm not about church abuse. And we see televangelists and people on these Christian networks that they say, if you'll send $19.99, we'll send you holy water, and this holy water will do such and such. That's just distilled water from Kroger. Come on, somebody. And what happens is, is that we feel hurt by that, and we feel abused by that, or, or whatever your story is, whatever your situation is. And I know my mom is watching online. She's walking through something right now at her church where she feels hurt. But can I tell you that the church is not this building. The church is not the brick and mortar. The church is not the place where we gather. The church is me and you, those who are in the faith. Now, I love our building here. And one day, the Lord will allow us to stand before you and show you the vision for our campuses and our property and all the things I believe that God wants to do right here at this broadcast campus with the 25 acres that we have. But I don't ever want us to get confused to think that this building is the church. This is just the gathering place. You and I are the church. And wherever we gather, which, by the way, and my team laughs at me all the time, it's why we don't call what we do a service. It's in the church service. This is a gathering because that's what the Greek word ekklesia means. That you and I are a called out assembly. We are a congregation. And when we come together, there is power in that. When the, so Hebrews 10 25 says, let us not forsake the gathering of the saints as some are in the habit of doing. So wherever you go, the Bible, I feel like preaching today, my Lord. The Bible also says where two or three gather together. So wherever you go, when brothers and sisters in the faith get together, the Holy Spirit will show up. That's why earlier in the week, I stopped by Publix and I saw Dave and Melanie who attend this campus and we had church on aisle number five at Publix. Why? Because this building is not the church. We are the church. Come on and give me a good amen right there. And Christ died for us. He died for us. So we are the ecclesia. And so we've tried to take the Great Commission and look at it from a very simple, like, model of ministry. So what, here's, here's how my brain works. What does the Great Commission look like in a picture? And here it is. We call it our G3s. Gather, grow, go. And everything we do is based out of this. 
hey, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love that you come here, gather together here. But what we do here is not about butts in the seat. It's about disciples in the street. Oh, you need to tweet that. Come on. Listen, I, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to build a mega church. Now, I, I don't know what the favor of God looks like. I'm humbled by the growth of Go Church, even in the middle of a pandemic. But it's not about counting you in attendance so that I can put on Facebook and brag to all of my other little pastor friends that we had X amount of people in here. No, no, no. It's about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. If you're going to call Go Church home, then you're going to grow in your purpose, and then you're going to go make a difference in your community, in your tribe, which I feel like saying this to you just because I love you. If you are a Christian and you don't have a passport, what are you doing? At any point, God could call you to go. And then what are you going to say? Well, I don't have a passport. Get your passport. Which, by the way, God calling you to go make a difference doesn't mean that you have to go internationally. You need to go across your street. You need to go across your cubicle. You need to go across your family dynamic and just love people to life. So when we gather together, we experience the power of God. Wherever we are, we can have church. Whether it's in this awesome building here on the south side of Atlanta or the same power of God that we feel in this room is what they feel in a movie theater in Germantown, Maryland. It's the same spirit of God that I talked to two pastors, our missionaries, legacy partners in the jungles of India this week and how God is sending revival to the jungle. You think they're standing there thinking, well, you know, if we just had a building, God could move or we'll wait till there's a building. No, the church is called to go make a difference. Come on, that's a great place to pause and say amen. Come on. Come on, let me get a sip of water. You keep clapping while I drink. Come on now. Let's look at it again. This time, let's read this together. One, two, three. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I showed you two truths from the Great Commission or the Great Commandment. Let me give you three commands. Here it is. This is our job. Evangelize the gospel. Baptize new believers and disciple those who receive Christ. That's what matters right there. Gather, grow, go. Evangelize the gospel, baptize new believers, and disciple those who are in Christ. I'll take the next 12, 13, 14, 45 minutes here and talk about, you caught that, didn't you? Yeah, I just wonder if you were listening. Evangelize the gospel. We'll spend the rest of our time there so quickly. Let me talk about baptizing new believers and discipling those who receive Christ. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, according to what happened on the day of Pentecost. So remember, after the ascension of Jesus, the disciples, the disciples, uh, they waited in the upper room for 10 days. Jesus was on the earth for 40 days. The disciples waited in the upper room for 10 days. 40 plus 10 is 50. That's what the Greek word penta means, Pentecost. It's just 50 days. 
So 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls. And the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Peter steps out on the balcony of a two-story apartment building. There's a 3,000 plus people in attendance, and he preaches this sermon. He says, we're not drunk with wine like you think we are. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But we are drunk with the Holy Spirit. And then his sermon was this, repent and be baptized. So once you say yes to Jesus, the very next step in your faith journey is to be baptized, to be baptized in water. Now water baptism doesn't make you saved. You are saved by grace through faith. So you don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. All water baptism is, is a public declaration of your inward decision to make Jesus your Lord. It's like my wedding ring. I got a lot of these little rubber wedding rings because when you lose a couple, she's like, all right, we're going to go Amazon route. Now, this wedding ring does not make me married. The ring doesn't make me married, all right? I can take the ring off and she's still mine and she's still fine. Come on now. But what the ring says is that I am married, and watch this, you can't touch this. I'm taken. I'm off limits. So water baptism doesn't make you married to Christ. Water baptism tells, tells the whole world and tells the devil, you can't touch this. I am in a relationship with Jesus. So here, and I hope that somebody that's been thinking about going public with your faith, we're going to do water baptism on first Wednesday of February. That's like in two weeks. February the 2nd, I'm flying to Germantown. Uh, we're going to do water baptism. I'm going to share a little message. We're going to have pizza together. Right here at this location, my father-in-law, the bishop, the man, the myth, the legend, Alan Matura is going to preach. You're going to do water baptism, and then we're going to give you some donuts and coffee. All right, somebody? So if you want to go public with your faith, stop by Next Steps, get on the app, go to the website. But it's time to be baptized. If you've recently committed your life to Christ or recommitted your life to Christ, that is the next step. And then the heart of this church, and I want you to hear this, one of our top priorities in this year and beyond this year is to really embed a true culture of discipleship. So on February the 20th, that's Vision Sunday, I'm going to roll out a brand new revamped move track. And our executive leadership team has been working on this. Um, our staff this week, we're actually going to be working on this. And move track currently is just one step, but we're moving to five steps. We're moving to five steps to equip you to be discipled so that you can evangelize the gospel. So that when you gather together, you grow in your purpose and then you go make a difference. So the heart of this house, again, is not to get rear ends in a chair. It's for you to grow in your walk with Christ. And then to take that story and share that story with a broken, lost world. All right, so let me, let me answer this. Let's spend the rest of our time on evangelizing the gospel. Let's talk about why we evangelize the gospel, and then I'm going to give you like practical steps on how you can do it. Watch this. Why do we evangelize the gospel? Here's the first one. Write it down. Because this is an unavoidable, unequivocal command of God to therefore go. If you are in Christ Jesus... You don't have an option. It's called the great commandment, not the great suggestion. One theologian said that any church that is not focused on fulfilling the great commission, they lose their right to exist. 
This is a command from God, your father, that he has tapped you on the shoulder. He has saved you by grace to go and tell the world about Jesus. Let me give you a couple other ones here. Give me two or three minutes here, Joseph, and then you can start playing because I got a whole lot to say, baby. Come on, church. Another reason we evangelize the gospel, because there is a hell. I don't know what other churches talk about on Sundays. I'm always here. But I think, I think we need to talk more about the reality of hell. Now, my style, I'm not, I, my style is, is an, an encouragement. Like, I'm an encourager. I'm not a hellfire brimstone kind of preacher. If that's what you're looking for, just, I grew up in a Baptist church. There's a few churches that you walk in and they will beat you over the head, man. I mean, I remember growing up, I didn't think I'd ever be able to be saved. But I'm glad that I'm not saved because of works. I'm glad that I'm saved because of the precious blood of Jesus. But listen to me. There is a real place called hell. And if you refuse to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Revelation 21.8, you will spend eternity separated from God. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you will be separated from God forever. And people say, well, how could a loving God send someone to hell? God sends no one to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go to hell. God made a way of escape from hell. And all you have to do is confess him as Lord, repent of your sin, and ask Jesus into your heart. But I want you to be very, very careful with this patty cake theology, with this watered down word that's out there. That, hey, listen, live however you want, do whatever you want. I would just caution you very carefully. The Bible says that you take up your cross every single day. I can't be married to my wife and not, not be in an intimate relationship with her, not spend quality time with her, never talk to her, have multiple affairs and cheat on her and expect that she's going to stay married to me. Listen, I think that we're wrestling with cheap grace. So I want to be a church that's balanced with grace and truth. Does that make sense? So watch this. The only way that you can escape the grip of hell is to get your name written in that book, to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, invite him to be Lord of your life, and then repentance literally means to make a turn. You shouldn't go back to the same old life that you've been living. It is for freedom, John 8 says, that Christ has set us free. So not only do we evangelize the gospel, because listen, there are people that you live with, that you work with, that you know that if they don't hear the word of the Lord, they will die in their sin. Oh God, forgive me. Forgive us. Can you imagine having the answer to COVID? You got the answer to COVID. You got the answer to cancer. And you're like, ah, let them figure it out. And yet we do that with heaven. Ah, I got what I need. Good luck. No, we got the answer. We got the answer to escape hell. And that is the hope of heaven. That this world is not my home. That my heart is not on the things that I see, but the things that are unseen. And there is this wonderful place called heaven. Come on, church. And listen to me. Whatever your earthly residence is, that's not your permanent address. Not if you are in Christ Jesus. Tell the world the answer. Tell them the answer. 
All right, give me a couple more minutes here and we'll finish this. Watch. So how do you evangelize the gospel? How do you do this? I'm going to give you a few things here. The first one is you've got you to pray for a heart of evangelism. We ask God for a lot of things. JC's included in that. But Lord, I don't want much from you. But I want to see people the way that you see people. Hey, let me just pastor you for a moment. Instead of engaging in all of those back and forth conversations with that unsaved coworker, why are you, why are you going to their level? They don't, they don't know any other way, but you know. You have a relationship with Jesus, so the Holy Spirit is in you. So you should live the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Instead of constantly getting angry and upset with people that, that they may not know the Lord, don't act like them. Just show them the love of Jesus. They're hurting and they're broken and they don't know how to process their emotions or their frustrations because they don't know where their hope is. But you and I, Titus calls us peculiar people that we are, we are, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. No, we're kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused. And so you got to pray, Lord, give me a heart of evangelism. Let me, let me weep over lost people. Let me grieve over broken humanity. By a show of hands, how many of you know somebody right now? They need Jesus. Let me see your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, stir our heart to evangelize the gospel to these people in a way that doesn't beat them over the head in rebuke but in a way that shows them that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Give us a heart for lost people the way that you have a heart for lost people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Watch this, the second way that you evangelize the gospel. You, you have to do this being filled with the Holy Spirit. The last words of Jesus in the Great Commission weren't just therefore go, but the perspective of, of Luke's writing of the Great Commission wrote it this way, that before you go, you've got to wait for this gift. So watch this. On one occasion while he, he was eating with them, Jesus eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak, uh, you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Go to verse number eight. And you will receive, somebody say power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Watch this. The call to fulfill the Great Commission you can't do on your own strength. Why? Because you may be a gifted communicator and you might be able to sell ice to an Eskimo, but you in your own power can't save anybody. You can't save them. It's only the Holy Spirit in you. It is the Holy Spirit that draws them to conviction. So when you try, okay, Lord, tell me how to say it. So when you engage in conversations with people that you really care about and you love, but it's always combative and you're always angry and upset because they're not listening to what you're trying to say, maybe it's because you're having that conversation in your own power. Instead of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, leave me in this moment. I don't want to say too much, but I want to make sure I say enough. Help me to have a listening ear and not just a critical ear. And before I engage in this conversation, let's make sure that my life is in alignment so that I'm a living testimony of the power of God. Can you say amen to that? Come on. So you got to be full of the Holy Spirit. I got to keep moving here. You got to be ready and you got to be willing to share your testimony. 
you got a story. If you said yes to Jesus, you got a story of how God brought you from death to life. And I think this is a big part of people telling their testimony. They talk about all their past and they forget to leave out the point that matters is when they met Jesus and what Jesus did. Your testimony isn't just about all the bad things you used to do or all the junk that you used to be caught up in. It's the moment that Christ interjected his love for you and you received that love and he turned your life around. I'm 41 years old. My story is divided almost evenly in half. The first 20 years of my life, I lived without God. My dad died from an unexpected heart attack when I was 13 years old. And from 13 to 19, I ran from God. I was mad at God. I was angry at God. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I didn't want anything to do with the church. I believed that there was a God, but I wanted to be my own God. I wanted to party and to live for myself and to live it up. And one day, and I don't have time to give you that part of the story, but one day I walked into a church and when I walked into that church, there was a group of people singing on that stage and they were singing Adonai, a song Adonai. I had never heard that song before in my life, but I felt the Holy Spirit begin to move over my heart. I was bartending and serving tables, waiting tables at Bennigan's restaurant in Tampa, Florida. That next week I walked in and said, man, I gotta, I gotta leave this job. I got a job with one of the guys at the church that I went to. My mom was attending there. He let me cut grass in a cemetery. So I cut 40 and a half acres, uh, 47,000 graves, 19 and a half acres. And one day while riding that lawnmower, the Holy Spirit touched my heart. The power of God threw me off of that lawn mower. I'm too afraid of God to tell you a lie. I'm laying face down in a cemetery. I repent of my sin. I give my heart to Jesus. And now the second half of my life has been the best half of my life. God saved me. He touched me. I was on a fast track to nowhere except hell, and now I'm on my way to heaven. And my whole genealogy is different. The, all the generational curses that have been on my family, God has begun to break those off of me. Why? Because I met a man named Jesus, and Jesus washed me clean, and he made me a new person, and my life has never been the same. And if I could go back and relive my life, you know what I would do differently? I'd say yes to Jesus sooner. I'd say yes to Jesus sooner. That is my story. He brought me from death to life. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Come on. Come on, I need you to testify about your story. Come on, if you got a story, come on. I got to hurry. Hang in there with me. Watch this. You got time. The Falcons not in the, in the playoffs. Come on, somebody. Use the Romans road here. I want, I, want to give, I want to give you some practical things here. You're having a conversation with someone. Go to the book of Romans. Uh, the scripture is all laid out right there to have a conversation. Now I'm a visual learner. That's how my brain works. And I created this graphic. I expect you to be amazed at my graphic design skills, all right? I know some of you run companies. You're going to want to hire me as your graphic designer. I'm, 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 I'm in, my, in my calling here, okay? But this is how I see the Romans. I told you you're going to love this. Clip art at its finest. Watch Romans 3.23. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen to me. If you've not said yet, if you've not yet said yes to Jesus, listen to me. I don't stand up here pretending like I got it all together. We're all sinners. 
But if you don't stop and recognize that, you'll keep living your life in the same habitual pattern. You'll keep living your life in that same cycle. And watch this, and that's dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. Because Romans 6, 23 says, the first half of that verse says that there is a consequence to that sin. That there has to be a payment for that sin. And watch, and the penalty of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. But what? So God sent a bridge. And and the bridge is Jesus. So the second part of Romans 6.23 says, the first part, for the wages of sin is death. The second part, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5.8 says that this is how God demonstrates his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So look, you'll never be able to escape your sin on your own. But God sends a bridge and the bridge is Jesus. And now you're at a crossroad. You're at a fork in the road. And there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it's the way of death. So what's your decision? Romans 10 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. So listen to me. No matter where you are in this faith journey, all of you have just heard the gospel and all of you have a decision to make. Just tell your story. Pray for that heart of evangelism. Do you see that? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then at the very end of that conversation, now just ask the person, all right, so what are you gonna do with what I just said? It's what I want to ask you today. What are you going to do with what I just said? Some people, they may be ready to accept Christ right then and pray for them. Some people may, you know what, can we just get coffee again? Because I got, whoa, I got a lot of questions here. Maybe you could say, hey, you know what, my church, they're doing these small groups. Why don't you come to my small group? You know, we're, we're just, there's a bunch of us. We're learning the Bible together. We read the scripture together. You come to that small group with me here. You know what, can... Can we begin next week just showing up to work five, 10 minutes early and I just, I just wanna pray for you, we'll talk, I'm here for you. Or maybe you would say to them, hey, you know what? Why don't you come to church? Ain't no church like Go Church. Why don't you come to church? I think you'd like it. Like it's a beautiful place and the people are diverse and maybe they have children. You say, you know what? It'd be good for you and your kids. We got an awesome Go Kids ministry, awesome Go Youth ministry. Just invite them to take a next step. You've planted the seed and the Holy Spirit will begin to cultivate that seed. So I'm gonna give you the question that you're gonna ask them. What, what did the Holy Spirit speak to you and what next step do you need to take? Church, time is running out. People are hurting and you and I, well, we have the answer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm gonna take 15 seconds here before I pray for you. Thank you for your word today, Jesus. Uh, there's quite a, quite a bit in that in that message, so I hope that yeah, I trust you. I trust you with that word, and and I pray that however you would speak to the hearts of your people, that they would receive that. And God, now I want to turn my attention to those in this room that, and it's really all of us that need to take a next step. For some, 
it is water baptism. Don't, don't delay. Let's, let's, get, let's get that public declaration. For some, it's getting in a small group. We'll talk about that next week, but let's take that next step. For some, it's getting on a, on a, on a, a go team so we can use our gifts. But for some, it's evangelizing the gospel. It's, it's telling their story. So give us a holy boldness through the Holy Spirit to share our, our faith. Not, not in a beat you over the head type of approach, but God, we, we have a routine. And there are people in our tribe, there are people in our lives we see every day that they need you, Jesus. So help us to have that conversation and begin to map that out and hear you on the plan of how we can engage in those talks. And maybe there's somebody here today and they don't know you. Don't leave here today without saying yes to Jesus. You've heard the gospel. You've got a decision to make. Nobody's looking but me. I'm counting to three. If you want to commit your heart to God, if you want to recommit your life to Christ, I want you to raise your hand. You ready? One, two, three. Come on, let me see your hand. Thank you. Right in the middle, young man. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Right in the middle. I see you all the way to my right. Thank you. Anybody else? Far back. It's like a family of three. Two of you with your hands up. Thank you, gentlemen. Over here, all the way to my left. Young man, I see you, ma'am. I see your hand too. I see you, young lady, right here. My left, your right. God bless you. Lord, you've seen every hand here. And they've raised their hand as a sign of surrender. Now we invite you to be Lord of our life, to come into our heart, to make us a new person. Forgive us of our sin. We believe that you are who you say you are and that when you died on that cross, you died for me. So now I don't just want to be made new, but I want you to equip me to tell the whole world what you did for me. That is my story from death to life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the whole church said amen. Come on, 10 seconds here. Let's applaud the Lord. Come on. Come on, keep clapping. All of heaven is rejoicing. Yeah.